Christmas, and welcome to another episode of Not Rocket Science, number 30, whatever. How's it going, everybody? Hope you're doing well on this, I guess, by the time you're listening to this, by Christmas Day. This will be released Christmas Day. I'm recording it a little bit early, Um, still a few days till... Christmas, not quite the weekend yet, but it's the weekend for me, Friday night. Um, Yeah, man, I have a lot to do on a Friday night, obviously. I hope you guys are doing well, and uh, yeah, I'm in the thick of it, the thick of that holiday scramble. I am usually not one of these responsible people that buys all their presents way out in advance. I'm usually a last last ish minute shopper. I'm not as bad as some people in my family, but pretty bad regardless, scrambling to get those final gifts. Um man, I was out in mid uh midtown. Downtown Manhattan last night, scrambling around, paying way too much money for shit. Cause they got me. Hook, line and sinker. They got me. They can get me to spend whatever at this point. I was ordering stuff on Amazon for my grandma at like 1.30 in the morning last night. <coughs> you know, it's game time, baby. Game time. I'm almost done. Got a little bit more. One thing I noticed is dads in particular are either very easy to shop for or very hard. And it's not a person-to-person thing. It's a year-to-year thing. Like, dads are really easy to buy presents for for a while but then there's a certain point where you realize year after year you're just buying them the same shit over and over again and then you challenge yourself to go a little out of the box and then it becomes extremely hard it becomes quantum physics because dads usually aren't that adamant about like making a list and giving you you know their pinterest board that's what i do but, uh, yeah, this year I'm struggling with that. I got him some stuff, but I feel bad because I've spent way less money on him compared to my mom, who I'm done, done with, shopping complete. So I feel obligated, like I got to buy him one more thing. And I don't know what. I'm out of ideas. It's kind of shopping fatigue, I think, setting in at this point. Because I'm kind of out of ideas for him, but last minute, you know, I'm hoping in the next few days over the weekend, whatever, uh, something comes to mind. But yeah, even though it's a tad stressful buying all this stuff, I like it. It's fun, and I love this time of year. Not so much the weather, but everything else. I'm going back to my parents' house tomorrow, probably sometime in the evening. 
and uh, should be a good time. It should be a good ass time. Um, I'm a little worried because I'm still doing my fasting, and I usually eat like pure crap during the holidays, so that'll be interesting. See how that goes. I'm definitely gonna keep using my zero fasting app and to an extent my fitness pal because using apps has really kept me on pace i probably would have fell off a long time ago if i didn't use an app to track everything but uh yeah man when you when you have that commitment and you're logging it into something with a digital record it just makes you so much more uh structured i guess in your approach on how to go about being consistent day to day, week to week, month to month, etc. So this is going to be a real test. We're going to see how it goes, but I am optimistic I will be able to make it twerk. What else, what else, what else, what else, what else? It is Christmas, so I feel like it should be a little Christmassy on the cast, you know what I mean? I feel like uh, I should be more festive in my content, but this is podcasts about business culture work life balance etc um trends and technology well one thing that's big is a crypto right now bitcoin's rallying again baby put those bull flags on it is time to lambo no i'm just kidding just kidding um the market has taken a turn into the positive the past couple of days, but it could very well be corruption. Who the heck knows? I am very skeptical, but it's worth tracking. And the farm bill is passed, so do your research on weed stocks, people. 2019 is going to be a big year for weed stocks. Might be a turnaround year for crypto, so uh, we'll see what happens. I think the whole to- the token craze is kind of dead, though. I look more into investing in blockchain technologies, not so much coins, bro. Get your bags, bro. When Tron gonna moon, bro. None of that shit. Research for real what these companies do, what proprietary technology they have, and what business problems they're solving. Look at their technical charts. Look for patterns. If you don't know patterns, Google stock chart patterns and go from there. Um, anyway, that is that. But today, you know, new year, new you. By the way, I saw the funniest Instagram of all time the other day. Um, actually, Diplo, of all people, posted it. He posts some fun stuff sometimes. Oh, my God. This guy. One thing I realized is how distinct... gay humor is particularly black gay humor yeah controversial right but i'm just saying this guy had the funniest it's this guy named um ricky thompson and he has he's one of these instagram entertainers obviously gay obviously black i mean come on i feel like i'm stepping on uh Stepping on some pine cones here. That's not a fucking term. That is not a term at all. Stepping on some pine cones. What the fuck is wrong with me? Anyway, he had this video about, you know, New Year, New Him. And he starts it by hitting a pot and pan. It is so fucking funny. Here we go. I'm going to play it. Oh, 
chasing this bag. And also, I'm not dealing with no fake-ass friends. I'm not dealing with friends who are messing around, not happy for what I'm doing. Bitch, there is a door if you're not happy with what I'm doing. Bitch, there is a door. <laughs> so, 2019 is going to be a good-ass He hits the pan to end it, too. That's the funniest part. Anyway, that A sums up 2019 for me. B was the funniest shit I've seen on Instagram in a long time. But my point was just, like, only someone like him can pull that off and have it be that good. If I tried to do something like that, it would be horrible. If my girlfriend tried something like that, it would be horrible. It's like, there's a very distinct niche, and that guy was killing it, but it was hilarious the pot and pan thing makes it and booked and busy and looking right that's me that's what i'm trying to be i'm trying to be like ricky thompson you know what i mean if you want to check out this guy's instagram it's pretty hilarious it's just ricky thompson one word r-i-c-k-e-y thompson t-h-o-m-p-s-o-n yeah, he's he's blowing up too. He uh he's up to 2.3 million Instagram followers. That is insane cuz he was not at that like a week ago. So, my man's blowing up, but he deserves it. That was hilarious. Anyway, speaking of being booked and busy, the main theme of today's show, today's episode, if you will, is about working with recruiters because I figured it's a new year. You might be looking for a new job or not, or you might just want to be testing the waters. But uh, I've had an influx of recruiters hitting me up recently in my inbox, and uh, it kind of reminded me how much experience at this point I have working with recruiters. Like if you work in tech, unless you make a real effort not to work with recruiters or talk to them at least you're going to talk to them on some level because they they just constantly hit you up out of the blue and it's in waves usually it's like you'll you won't hear much for a long time and then randomly on some monday you'll get like six of them in your inbox asking you about availabilities sometimes usually a lot of the projects are bullshit but sometimes it's uh they're interesting interesting opportunities but I've worked with recruiters a lot. It's something that seems to be a hot-button topic on like LinkedIn. People love talking about recruiters. Recruiters love talking about recruiters. Recruiters love talking about how bad certain recruiters are or how bad companies are when it comes to how they treat them, all kinds of things. Uh, I have a lot of respect for recruiters, particularly good ones. There's a lot that goes into it, a lot of hand-holding, a lot of bullshit that you have to deal with, a lot of information one party wants but the other party doesn't want to disclose and uh, all the back and forth and all that it's a, it's rough it can be rough um so i have a lot of empathy for recruiters out there but what i wanted to just talk about is a little bit from my experience what i consider a good recruiter a not so good recruiter why um what are the signs to look for in a recruiter whether they're good or bad, um, because I keep seeing every year more people 
trying to enter the tech field, trying to go to a boot camp, which I did my first episode ever of this podcast on. I'll probably do another episode soon on that. Um, you know, trying to find a job in tech, trying to do a career switch, what have you. And recruiting is a big part of that game. Um, a lot of the jobs that I've landed in this field in user experience design have been through recruiters. A lot of interviews I've gotten have been through recruiters. So for me, at least they've been a big deal. And at this point, I think I have enough experience to really, um, give you guys some insight on the process. So the first thing is with a recruiter, you want to know how much they know about what they're offering you. Um, generally, I don't know because a lot of the times job descriptions, for example, is written by the company themselves. But I found that there is some pattern between how the job description's written up and the recruiter themselves. Because, and I don't know this at all. There might be um, some guessing going on here, but I think there has to be something where if a recruiter is really experienced and knows what they're talking about and they see a crappy job description from a company, I would think that they would have some input or at least throw out some suggestions about how to improve that uh, that job description. Because I usually see good recruiters offering jobs. They have a the job description from the company just tends to look better. I don't know. But that's not a big deal. But the first thing is how they hit you up. That's a big deal because you can learn a lot just based on how they contact you. Um, the worst is when they contact you with an email or LinkedIn message and it's boilerplate copy that you could tell they are not personalizing it at all. They're sending you the same template they're sending everyone else. And they're giving you a job description right off the bat that's just generically put together. And a lot of the uh, job requirements don't even know what they're talking about. Like proficiency and things like InDesign, Illustrator, Photoshop. Those things are useful. I use InDesign and Photoshop fairly regularly. But they're not the main tools I use, and they're not industry standard tools for user experience design. That's just an example. But when they send that right off the bat, and they have some generic message maybe that's like, Hi, my name's so-and-so from this talent firm. Um, We have an opportunity here. Our client is a blank, blank, blank. If you're interested, send your resume in. Here's the responsibilities. That isn't what I would consider a good... um, first impression from the recruiter to me what's better is and some really good recruiters do this all of the best ones i've worked with tend to do something like this they'll instead email you a real email a personalized email not a generic email or an email that you get because it's a linkedin uh alert and they introduce themselves first. They just tell, you know, they it's like almost like they're networking with you before they even ask you about the opportunity they're trying to sell to you, basically. Because that's what it is. It's really like a sales thing. Recruiting is just another version of sales. 
And sometimes what they'll do is they'll even call you, they'll cold call you, which I respect the hustle, but personally, I don't really take calls from numbers I don't know. But really good ones will follow up with an email like what I'm talking about where they will introduce themselves per my voicemail, you know, I am so-and-so, I would love to schedule some time to chat with you. I'm not sure if you're actively looking right now, but if you are, if you're open to hearing about what I have available, you know, just, just thinking about you and not just trying to throw a role out to as many, you know, casting the widest net possible. They try to cast a deeper net. Um, that is generally a good sign that the recruiter knows what they're doing. And I think all the recruiters I've ever worked with that I had a long-term relationship with and actually tried to find a role with and pursue a role did something along those lines. They either called or did an introductory email throughout the position they're recruiting for, but also was kind of empathetic to on my end about whether I'm even searching and how they want to know what I'm into if possible. And even if it's like down the road, they're still open to understanding what I'm looking for. And generally, then they want to set up a call and they're pretty aggressive about setting up a call. If they're aggressive about setting up a call. That's a good sign. Um, I usually make it harder for recruiters on purpose to kind of test whether they're for real or not. And I generally do calls after work hours because I don't like doing... To me, there's something scummy about doing like calls during the work hours. I've done it a little in the past, but now it's harder because where I work is more like a campus. It's not like a uh, office where I can just dip out and go somewhere else. So I don't like doing that. So I only really take calls in the evening now. I don't like taking them in the morning either because I'm a groggy mess because I don't drink coffee. But that's a whole other story. I don't drink coffee. I'm one of those weirdos. It is what it is. I don't like it. Don't like the taste. Makes my breath smell bad. Makes your teeth stain. Not into the coffee thing. Um, But yeah, you want a persistent recruiter that's willing to work with you and is empathetic when they hit you up for the first time and generally just introduce you like they're a person wanting to get to know you, not trying to sell you a role right off the bat. They're they're always trying to sell you a role, but and you know that in the back of your head, but it's like marketing. You know, you know a good advertisement is trying to sell you a product, but if they make you laugh for real or something along those lines, they make you actually feel emotional. If it's more of an emotionally driven commercial, you appreciate what they're doing more, even though in the back of their head, your head, you still know they're trying to sell you. So those are the first things. Um... And then once you dig deeper in your relationship with a recruiter and it gets more serious about scheduling interviews, things like that, if they're just very persistent in the communication and very open about getting feedback from you on A, whether you feel like the role's a good fit, but anything else that would help them on their end as well, and just being having an open dialogue, that's a big key. Some recruiters are a bit flakier than others when it comes to this. They'll talk to you. They'll be really good about communication, and out of nowhere, they'll just kind of ghost you for a while. I've had that happen a bunch. And then they'll come back and say, oh, the client was looking. You know, when they're looking for someone else, 
when I've lost out on roles that I've been working with a recruiter on, the good ones tend to tell you straight up the whole way. But I'd rather them stay in constant communication than ghost me for a while and then getting get flimsy with the communication. Kind of, I don't know, it feels very L.A. Like they kind of go L.A. on you with it where they'll give you all these like good encouraging words from what they're hearing and then nothing. It's kind of like I feel like I'm auditioning for a fucking three-line role in some Lifetime movie or something and not getting it. So all that are real key indicators on the quality of a recruiter. But beyond that, when it comes to interview time, good recruiters will prep you as much as they can about what to do on the interview based on the knowledge they have. A lot of times they don't have a ton of knowledge, but the little they do have, the good ones that I've worked with in the past often share as much as they possibly can and tell you that they're sharing as much as they possibly can in some way. Um, so you're not going in blind. And then after the interview, they want to know how it went. And then they continue actually maintaining a sense of empathy from the standpoint of not just like pushing you to take the role or kind of hoping you take the role. A lot of the good recruiters that I've talked with ask if they feel like it's a good fit or if not, we can move on. Um, that's always a good line and a good sign that you want to hear when they say, you know, do you feel like this is something you want to pursue? Is this a good opportunity for you? If it's not, you know, we can move on for something else. I don't want to waste your time on this one role. I've literally heard that from the recruiter that got me my last job, and I appreciated it so much just because it's a heavy decision, you know. There's a lot of factors, and I was for that particular role, which I took, but I just appreciated the mentality of, trying to help me find a fit rather than trying to sell this thing as a fit. Um, that's the big distinction for me that separates the good ones from the bad ones. Another one is um, sometimes they'll reach out to you and they want to sit down and have coffee with you. That is maybe for some people a little strange. I don't know. But to me, it just shows that they want to identify with you on a more personal level, which will then, in part, help the actual job search go smoother because they get to know you more, know what you like, know what you don't like, know what you're looking for exactly, and you have the opportunity to explain all that in person, informally, you know, in a casual kind of uh, meeting, not like a stuffy-ass business meeting, you know? So... That is a good one, and that one also just helps you build a rapport with them so that it's more like working with one of your coworkers, not with some random person that's just an avatar on LinkedIn that uh, you're looking at and trying to piece together what they're actually like. You get to know what they're actually like. So that's a big one, too. Um, I haven't gotten hit up with that too often, but... It has happened before, and it worked out really well. So if they want to get to know you in a face-to-face -face meeting, that's usually a good sign because most recruiters that aren't as good uh, don't do that kind of thing. And then, um, look, I'm not trying to typecast, but most of the best recruiters that I've worked with, they're not like 
older, older, but they're usually not fresh out of college. They usually have some experience in the game. You know, they're right around that, like, 30-year-old range um, where they have experience and years logged, years banked, kind of know their industry, but at the same time, they can kind of relate with you. I've worked with some older-ish recruiters, too, like in their 50s, that have been good. But I've also worked with some that I just couldn't talk to. I couldn't relate with at all. I don't want to be ageist, because it's not really an age thing. It's more of just a personal networking, having a personality that you jive with kind of thing. And it's happened with older recruiters. I've worked with recruiters probably in their 50s, and they've been really good. But I've also worked with a ton in their 50s, and they all just seem kind of lazy, to be honest, which, like, just kind of mailing it in. And from a personal level, I try to crack on first phone calls with recruiters. I try to crack jokes a little just to kind of feel them out. And uh, a lot of times they don't take the bait at all. They don't really get it. It just becomes awkward. We're kind of on the phone. There's a lot of awkward silences, and it's kind of <laughs> like it just doesn't flow very well is what I'm saying, but no ageist. I'm just saying that's in my experience the way it's gone. And <clears throat> when it comes with younger recruiters, and when it comes to younger recruiters, the ones that are, you know, it's like their first job out of college, Usually they're very personable and easy easy to talk to, but they just don't have the same experience. They don't know how to find the right fit for you in a lot of ways. It's a lot of the soft skills that they don't have. They don't make you feel comfortable saying the right things. They don't really um, look out for you as much, just because they're you know they're just they're just they're just um, new to the game. They're trying to learn, but you can just tell it it's like it's like anything else in business talking to you know a really green account executive or designer or coder or whatever versus somebody's season. They just know how to teach things to you, communicate with you on a higher level um but I'm sure there's some superstar younger recruiters out there too. I just haven't particularly met them and they don't do the small things they usually hit you up on linkedin with a very generic message they don't do the personalized message that i talked about earlier or the uh follow-up after the cold call that you generally ignore um just little things like that so those are the main things i would look out for and then the other thing is Look up the company they work for. There's a lot of good recruiting firms, and there's a lot of bad ones, and it generally doesn't have to do with how big the name is. There's a lot of big-name recruiting firms with some awful recruiters and some agencies I've never heard of that are awesome, and vice versa. There's small ones that suck, and they're small because they suck, and big ones that are big because they're good. So it really is something where you should just do your research on the company themselves, look at their website, Look at um, how mission-driven they are and how in-depth they are on when it comes to the resources available on their website. Um, look up if they have clients. Look at their client list. 
if it's available, might have to do some digging on LinkedIn to figure that out or online somewhere. But point is to just do research as much as possible on the company as a whole and the recruiter themselves. Um, and then the other thing that's interesting is if you ever come and get the opportunity to post on LinkedIn about needing candidates for a role, then you kind of see it from the other side. I had to do that once for a freelance role that I was leaving and I was looking for a replacement and I decided to just throw a post up and man, they hound you. It's so, it's a different experience, but it's, it's interesting. Like you'll have recruiting firms call you, reach out to you, ones that you've tried to work with in the past and they ghosted you they return your calls all of a sudden it's weird it's like you're uh feeling how the other half lives on some strange level and if you deal with the same company twice on both sides of the coin you you kind of see their true colors in a lot of ways and whether they're not they're looking at you with a dollar sign or if they're actually looking out for you for real so that is another thing that you can't really like do unless you're in the opportunity to do it. But if you work at a company and your team's needs to hire for a position, even if you don't want to be the person that does the networking to get that person the interview, it's worth just as a social experiment to throw out a LinkedIn post saying, Hey, we're looking for a designer to join our team or, Hey, we're looking for a developer or, Hey, we're looking for a marketer. Um, because you just get to see how recruiters work on the B2B side and less on the B to, I guess, C side. I guess if you're the candidate, you're the C, you're the consumer. I don't know. Um, so that's another thing to throw out there just as like a pro tip if one day you are in a position to do so. I say take advantage of it. And I think that pretty much covers it. So to summarize, how they introduce themselves to you is big personalized email generally is the best way to do it if they want to meet you in person to learn more that's a good thing if they aren't trying to over pursue the role in terms of selling you right off the bat that's a good thing if they want to learn more on your end and what you're feeling that's always good um constant persistent communication is a good thing an enthusiasm about giving you updates is a good thing. Um, when it comes to the interview process, they don't think of you just being like, all right, he's in. The company likes him. Let's try to close this deal. You know, they don't think like that. They're asking you, even after the interview, if it went really well, you know, do you still feel like this is a good place to work? That's a good sign. Um, if the company that they work at checks out and seems like a good reputable agency or a hiring firm that's a good sign and then if you're ever in a position where you're trying to hire someone for your team or your business and you send out a, an email and people on the other side when they're trying to give you candidates don't come across like they're just trying to sell you on that end that's also a good sign it's really more just a filter though where you can kind of see people for their true colors and what you want to avoid is just generic generic LinkedIn messages where they give you the whole resume and the little LinkedIn uh, instant message interface where 
they don't really tell you much about themselves or the company they work with. They don't even tell you what industry the client is in. And the job description seems poorly written and has a bunch of requirements that seem a little bit off as far as the tools they use and their processes and etc. That you want to avoid. Um, and generally, if you can take a phone call with them right off the bat and you can level with them, there might be some joking going on. Um and just having some sort of rapport going even on a on a first phone call that's obviously a very good sign and then i'll just say make it hard for them to reach you you know don't be like i can take a call whenever even if you're desperate for a job be like oh evenings are really only good for me at the moment would that be okay you know try to get them off work hours if possible see how much they're willing to work for you that's a good test that i like to do so if you use these tips um it should be pretty easy to see those who separate themselves from the pack and it is a good um recruiters are a good thing they're a good thing sometimes they get a bad rap but i think that's kind of bullshit i think companies or people are lazy and they don't find the right person for them because um, if you find the right person i've seen it happen at a company level i've seen it happen at an individual level it can be a really good thing so, yeah, I just wanted to do this for a long time just because I've worked with recruiters for years and years now and figure I'd just uh, share some tips with you guys if, you know, new year, new you, trying to be booked and busy and looking right. Maybe uh, getting booked and busy means getting a new job and you might want to find a headhunter, find a recruiter, and uh, get that paper, get that bag. So that is it for today, guys. Hope you guys have an awesome Christmas if you celebrate. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Boxing Day. Happy all that stuff. Eat some uh, holiday ham. Eat a candy cane. Hope you get everything from Santa that's on your list, etc., etc., etc. I got to travel to New Jersey tomorrow. That should be a ton of fun. And I will be doing a yearly roundup type of episode next week. Um, it's still going to be the last episode of the year. It's been a crazy year, crazy ride so far. I feel like I have a lot of room to improve this thing. Next year, a whole lot of shit might happen. I might change the name of the podcast. I might try to get a co-host, get some guests. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe I'll keep it solo. I don't know, but there will definitely be changes this year. I 2018, it was just start something and be consistent. That was the only goal, and I've done that. So now I next year I actually want to invest time in improving this sucker and making it as good as it can be. Um, it's going to be a lot of work, but I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to doing one more episode this year. So that's all I got today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Hit us up if you have any questions. Not rocket science show at gmail.com or NRS underscore show on Twitter or Insta. We would love to hear your feedback. All right. That's all I got. Hope you guys can land that job now. Take it easy. Have a good one. Happy holidays. Peace.